Tara, and then- intro, take one. <laughs> Remember when we would clap because we thought that that's what we needed to do? And Grant was like, you guys are morons. He's like, please stop clapping, you fucking Tweedledee and Tweedle dumbass. <laughs> what happens. What happens. Uh, Hi. Hi. What an episode. I what know. an episode. This is a, we Two were just talking. Favorite. What? Yep. <laughs> Oh, just please, please finish your thought. Thank you. We offline were just talking about how excited we are to introduce today's guest because their energy just really vibed with us in a way that was so special and they were so interesting and smart and insightful and just... Oh God, I'm sorry. We bring you the fucking goodness today on Thoughts I Vary. Let me just I mean, we really do. We really do the Lord's we work. Just because deliver. two of the best, juiciest, most stigmatized topics. Like, what else is there to talk about besides sex and mental health? <sighs> well, I mean, let's just dinner party conversations, honey. Okay, can I tell them who we had on today? Please. Today we had on the one and only Dr. Tara Love Bites. With social media influence of over 50 million engagements, Dr. Tara is one of the most influential sex and relationship experts online. Her life's goal is to normalize sex talks and help people live a more passionate life and feel more sexually fulfilled through confidence and communication coaching. She is the expert in her field of sexual communication. Her textbook, Sexual Communication Research and Action, can be found in our show notes below. That's not all. Dr. Tara is also a tenured professor of relational and sexual communication at California State University, Fullerton. She received her tenure at the age of 33. Just by the way. She's an award-winning researcher, a sex and relationship coach, and is the host of Love Bites by Dr. Tara, a podcast that focuses on sexual wellness and sex exploration. She also has a column with Women's Health Magazine where you can send in your own questions. So if communicating with her on all of her social media platforms was not enough for you and on her podcast, now you have another place where you can get the best sex information ever. Obviously, this is not only our two favorite things to talk about, but clearly it's y'all's as well because we've got Mm -hmm. inundated with gorgeous, beautiful questions that Dr. Tara so thoughtfully answered that we did not get to all of them. So we will do this again. (laughs) We said it all of our guests. We're like, and they're coming back. We really do. But we're getting better at bringing people back again because there's always more to unpack. But we did cover a lot. So we talked a lot about finding sexual confidence, especially within relationships and growing together sexually within relationships. We talked about how secure attachment styles make sex kinkier. Mm -hmm. Unpack that, baby. We also got into balancing sex being intimate and connective, but also hot and fun. We talked about kinks, how to discover your kinks, especially if you don't have a partner or aren't sexually active right now. We talked about how to give instruction and direction and communication skills. Mm -hmm. We talked about getting over a fear of sex. If you've had bad experiences, sex after trauma, or just haven't had sex in a while. We talked a lot about libido and the Mm, difference between- Libido versus desire. That's right, baby. We learned a lot. No, no, no. We learned a lot. Um, We talked about unpacking sex shame from our parents and cultures and how to rewrite Mm -hmm. our own morals and values and things we believe in and take the good and leave the rest. What I loved so much about this conversation, as I do with any conversation, is that nuance was injected into the chat. Nuance existed. Nuance was there. We bring her up many a time throughout the conversation, which I think is so valuable when you're talking about something that shifts so much like sex 
and relationships. Nuance is our favorite it girl, like truly. Tattoo it on my forehead. Round here. Yeah. If it smells pun funny, onions get in field. I can't do this at night because I <laughs> it's a rap lyric. <laughs> I can't do this at night, dude. I'm unhinged. Meadow, we got Round go. here. If it smells funny, All onions right, get in field. Okay. All right. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening to these two morons. Rub two brain salts together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. End of day. Okay. We will I'm stop go talking. negotiate a sexual feast. So I gotta go. Oh. Go find out what that is. Listen to the podcast. (laughs) And all of Dr. Tara's links will be in our show notes. Let's get into it. Enjoy the episode. I'm Meadowlark. And I'm Gabriela. And this is Thoughts May Vary. The podcast that sits at the intersection of mental health, nuance, and community. And we're grateful you're here. And that's me. That's just a little bit about us. Yeah. And. Is that gimmicky (laughs) enough for the people? Um cleansing all of us we're gonna have yes a oh <laughs> yes i love a selenite wand cleanse asmr me baby we yeah. love it you are being cleansed this podcast is going to be the best podcast you've ever done <laughs> people are gonna love this <laughs> you such I'm good trying, asmr voice <laughs> Please do an ASMR video, like a I'm little reel. Oh, it's so calming. It. So calming. Oh my gosh. Dr. Tara, Hi. welcome to Thoughts May Vary. We are so, so excited that you're here today. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Oh my we've been, gosh. We've been waiting for this day. And our audience, we already mentioned to you, freaking out. Freaking out. The influx of questions that we have from them. I love that people have no, it makes me really happy because sometimes when I post these like question boxes on Instagram, I'm like, okay, I hope that people, especially when we're talking about sex, I'm like, I hope that people like go in on these questions Mm -hmm. and audience, I didn't mean to underestimate you, but you really pleasantly surprised me. I was so happy (laughs) with just how, just no shame, give the questions as it should be. It really thrilled me. Love. Love it. Okay. So before we dive into them, because we have so many. We ask every guest to begin, what are you unpacking? So anything you're kind of moving through or working on or figuring out in real time, and you can take that as light or deep as you want, whatever comes to mind. Oh, this is easy for me because I've been doing this since last year and I'm bringing it into 2024 as well cool. is unpacking um, workaholism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's All talk right. about yeah. it. Let's get into yeah, it. Please. You know, my my chart <laughs> oh, tell is us. like work chart. Like, you know, I'm a Virgo and then like a lot of places in Virgos. my chart is like I just love working. And also I grew up in a culture where achievements are like celebrated, but also like what's next. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm originally from Thailand in like in my culture, both my parents are high achieving, quote unquote, you know, traditional in a traditional sense, um, high achieving people. And I think growing up, it was always like if I wasn't achieving, I wouldn't get love. Yeah. So I was always trying to push it and then looking forward to what's next. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know for the last five years of starting my own sex and relationship business and growing into this sexually confident person, I realized that working a lot uh, goes against all the other things I want to do. 
yeah, uh, and the person I want to be. So I've been unpacking working too much for the last mm-hmm. like over a year now with mm-hmm. a busyness coach. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> and so yeah, in like? 2024, my words uh, are balance, like 100% of. balance is my top word, fun, um, yeah. and surrender. Like I don't need to yes. control everything. I don't need to push really hard to get a new role or a new gig. Mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, good things come easily. Yes. Mm. Love that phrase. Love that reframe. <laughs> yes. How are there any like little steps? I know you said you're working with the coach and you have these words top of mind, but are there any habits that you're implementing in order to achieve that? I love yeah. how we just say achieve that as we're talking about achieving. <laughs> yes. I am working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yes. It is. It is. To me, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I need to like change myself completely. So even mm-hmm. saying like I'm achieving rest, like it's still fun for me to say. Yeah. And my coach oh, is yeah. like, feel free to just, you know, that's who you are. It's okay. Um, yeah. And so the little steps that I'm doing and I'm loving doing this for the last year is actually putting in the calendar my rest time cool yeah yeah you have to because if you don't have anything on the calendar like let's say you have emails like two hours of the day podcast two hours um writing three hours and if there's any like 30 minutes or one hour in between I'll just end up working anyways yeah. Like I'll check my emails, I'll like research something, I'll mm-hmm. share something on my social media. Mm-hmm. But if I actually put in one hour and let's say, you know, I also learned this and I think for all the workaholic girlies will understand this. You can't just say rest. Like you have to specify an activity because yes. if you say rest, uh-huh. you won't rest. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, I get you. I get go that. on Instagram, like I'll go on Instagram and then I'll just end up like, working like I'll end up posting a story or responding to comments so you have to specify so for example one hour block out like baking bake chocolate chip cookies or two hours blocked out hiking at this place um you know one hour block out like read this book at least 30 Mm -hmm. pages uh and it helps me a lot and I think this will help um all the people that are addicted to work. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm going to implement that because I I understand, I feel you a lot when it comes to blocking out moments of rest, especially for those of us that work from home. Mm-hmm. It can just feel like, okay, I have nothing else to do. So let me just knock all of this stuff out and just yeah. get it done. But then it's not like I end up working less hours or I end up sort of ending the day earlier. Like I'm still ending the day at a, at like the same time that I would if I was at like a regular nine to five, but now I'm just so burnt out because I didn't have human interaction. I didn't actually yeah. give myself a proper lunch break. Like people get like right. all those little things that we had in the workplace, I have not been giving to myself. And so I, and then I, if I do block out like moments of rest, I'm the same way as you. I'll just like end up on Instagram. Yeah. Or like I'll end up just being like, whatever, let me check my email. It's like not using my brain. It's fine. It's passive work, but it's still not honoring the rest your body really needs. Yeah. Um, It's funny that you said that because I think, you know, for the last like five years, I have not taken a lunch break. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
like I eat through lunch or I just don't eat lunch. Mm. I eat lunch and work or I don't eat lunch. And yeah. um, I'm not doing that at all for the last 10 days. <laughs> like That's I've right. been taking the time, like I'll eat lunch while I read or I'll eat lunch and I call my friend um, or I go out to eat lunch with my friends. Like it's been really, really nice. And then when I come back, I actually like get an afternoon coffee and I work much faster. Yeah. So See, that's the, I really that's didn't the funny need the trick. Hour. Right. Yeah. That's the funny trick is like we push ourselves past burnout where we don't realize that rest is actually productive. And if you do give yourself those moments of very intentional rest, you come back to your work with such a clearer head, better perspective, mm -hmm. more creative problem solving. Like mm -hmm. you're more likely to be more creative, be more productive, having yeah. taken the rest than working through it. It's so it's, mm -hmm. it, but it feels counterintuitive especially mm -hmm, to people that fall into the workaholism. I love 10 days strong, baby. Let's go. <laughs> love it. Let's yeah. join you on this. Yes. Okay. I'm getting lunch after this. Oh, yes, That's you right. are. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. We heard you talk about on a podcast how you were, you found a sense of sexual competence through your relationship with your husband. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we hear this narrative often of this idea of being like a completed product by the time that you meet mm. your partner or before you can even get into a relationship. And I don't think we highlight as much as we should the beautiful growth that can happen in a partnership and how that doesn't diminish from your individuality or your ability or strength or anything like that. So I'm just curious if you could talk to us a little bit about what that journey looked like and how that relationship has been healing for that part of your sexual journey. So when I was younger, um, I was married before. And from where I'm from, you know, my career success at the time, which like I got a job as a tenure track professor at Cal State University, mm -hmm. my life was going well in terms of career. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, my parents are like, oh, we really want you to get married. Like, where's your husband? You should have a child. Uh, so at the time with cultural and societal pressure and my personal misguided belief I went on a hunt for a husband. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was on every app, uh, found a husband on Tinder. Uh, he was on paper checking every box, mm -hmm. every box that I thought I had and every box that my parents had for me. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, you know, attractive, wealthy, you know, house on the beach, um, kind, uh, love Thailand, um, and a Buddhist. So checked wow. every box. Uh, so at the time I was just like, you know what, like, you know, this is what you're supposed to want, right? Like Prince Charming coming in, like checks every box, like, let's just, let's just get married. So we got married really fast. We got married in six months mm. and I was married for a couple of years. Uh, but during that time, what I didn't realize was, I was married to my parents' dreams yeah. and not my dream. Mm, and how mm -hmm. I realized that was through a lot of personal development practices as well as um, a lot of psychedelic journeys. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I uh, exploring that. in that realm as a newbie and mm -hmm. uh, getting into that in a therapeutic sense more and more. And what it had helped me was to realize my own 
desires in life. Mm. Um, and I was able to articulate it with a pen and paper into my journal. And I wrote out, I remember, I wrote out all the things that I desire in life. And I realized that with this partner, it was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to ask for a divorce. And it was a very, very, very difficult time. At yeah. that time, my sexual confidence, my self-esteem was very bruised. Right. Because ask anyone who has gone through divorce, it yeah. bruises your self-esteem and self-worth big time. Especially coming from a sex and relationship expert. Yeah. How embarrassing. You can't even, quote unquote, keep your husband. Oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had this narrative in my head back then was like, how embarrassing is this? Um, but the blessing in moving forward and having a clean slate in a way, you know, it's, n it's never a clean slate because you have, you know, all your baggages. But I always tell people divorce is actually amazing. It gives you brand new opportunities. Like the world is in the palm of your hands and you can now design your life exactly how you want it because you learn from your mistakes, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So for me, going into this new relationship, I was only looking for one thing, the thing I never had with my previous partner. And that thing was chemistry. Mm. Mm -hmm. I wasn't too worried about checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. I was much more intentional about my body's visceral reaction towards being with this person. And this is new to me. Being mm -hmm. a professor, a quantitative researcher, you know, I analyze and think all the time. And mm -hmm. that's how I got in that first marriage. However, through the psychedelic and personal development journey, I learned that my body is the most intelligent thing out of all of this whole thing. So mm -hmm. it's not my brain. It's the body telling me, oh, get away from this person. You know, even like when you hang out with new people or friends yep. that are toxic, like your body tells you. Oh, yeah. You know, your your neck hurts, your stomach is like not feeling good. You know, you just don't feel good when you hang out with people not with, the, with not so good energy. So with my new partner at the time, all I cared about was how does my body feel when I'm mm -hmm. with him? Mm-hmm. And from then on, I realized like, oh, wow, you know, of course, I, it, it wasn't like love at first sight, but it was attraction instantly. Mm. Um, I was instantly attracted to this person, uh, his looks, his energy, his passion. And he would say he, he's just, he has the same thing for me. But it wasn't love, right? Love, has, love at first sight to me is a little silly. <laughs> However, after, you know, casually developing the relationship for six months, um, I realized that my body is very at peace when I'm with this person. Mm. Have you ever felt that? I assume oh, that yeah. you feel this with your partners. I, my favorite thing yeah. to say is love is a regulated nervous system. <gasps> mm -hmm. No and way. It feels, That's a good it's saying. It's my favorite thing to say because I think people mistake that feeling of safety with boredom. And it's like, no, 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 mm. babe, you're you're at least speaking from personal experience, if you're used to chaos, 
safety and that stability can almost be unnerving because you're like, whoa, there's nothing here. But then you realize, no, 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 like that true love is that grounded. My husband and I, when we first got together, said we were simultaneously each other's chill pill and hype man. Like you <laughs> ground and support and stabilize me, yeah. but also like hype me up and you have the flirtation and the energy, but that that regulated nervous system, baby, nothing is like it. No. I love and once that. you feel that, you you can't go back. Like you'll once yeah. you feel that, it's if that relationship doesn't work out, because you know, we can often have many soulmates in this lifetime. If that relationship doesn't work out, but you've already felt that, your picker, I so believe, is just gonna be so Ooh, much stronger, even with totally. friends. Because yes. once you even forget about romantic relationships, like if we're talking about specifically, we get asked a lot about friendships on here and mm-hmm. thinking about platonic friendships. Once you've gone through the chaos of having friends who don't make you feel good about yourself, who put you down, Mm -hmm. who are comparing themselves to you, whatever it is, and then you find friends who calm your nervous system and make Mm -hmm. you feel grounded and make you feel loved and taken care of, once you have that, like the odds of you getting shitty friends in the future are much lower, in my opinion, because you already recognize what that feels and you'll no longer accept otherwise. Right. 100%. Mm -hmm. And- ultimately like when you do find someone that you know you feel very at peace with Mm -hmm. in a space you just don't ever kind of want to mess it up like you want to be able to um, embrace like all kinds of hard things together I think we give our partner a lot more leeway and attention and understanding and empathy when we feel calm with them Mm -hmm. being like a sex coach and I see a lot of couples that come in and they're fighting and they're yelling at each other and they're big biggering I can immediately tell that in their bodies they don't feel good together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I I'm a big believer of like somatic therapy. So I like mm, usually yes. send them to a somatic therapist to work on their bodies together and to feel better together first before we even talk about something else. Mm-hmm. I think traditional therapy, like talk therapy, not to go on us. <laughs> I'll come back to my sexual confidence in a bit. Do you I take the, the tangent. Traditional therapy to me, because I've done it for a while now, like traditional therapy works to a certain point but I think there are a lot of things that are in your body so you need to work with a somatic therapist um, or a somatic coach or a movement person or you know even like a physical therapist like a lot Mm -hmm. of things are stored in the body so I think you should couple it together you know because some things you can't like talk it out you have to diversify um, your healing. Like one yeah. style of therapy isn't going to work forever. Like we're multifaceted, unique little beings. Like you got to yes. you got to switch things up. You got to try different stuff. 100%. Um okay, so coming back to meeting my husband and you know, the idea of like, oh my god, but I wasn't complete. Should I have waited mm-hmm. to be to be healed or yeah. complete and c- extremely confident on my own in order to be with this person? With him and how calm I was feeling, I didn't even question that. I didn't even question, Mm -hmm. wow, like, will he leave me because of ABC? Um, Because we felt so safe together. That wasn't even the issue. So for me, whenever I teach people, I'm like, I think a skill that I had learned that is extremely valuable now is tuning in to my body and really receiving 
messages from my body. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds woo-woo sometimes. And I know this because like I'm a Western trained researcher, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like so many things are not things that you can talk about or like it's something you feel, feel in mm-hmm. your body. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with him, that's how I felt. And so through a lot of communication and reaffirming to each other, I think I have rebuilt very, very strong self-esteem and a very strong sexual confidence with this partner. And I do for him because he wasn't um, exploring sexually as as a variety of sexual experience as much as I had, mm-hmm. you know, like he has, had never been to a sex party, um, you know. So for him, dating me, that was a whole different realm yeah. that he was uncertain about. However, we always had shared values of exploration. Mm-hmm. So that will never go away. We'll be 80 years old and we'll still be exploring because that's mm. our core values. So in conclusion, <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever people say like, oh my God, like what should be in my like ideal man list or woman mm. or whoever, um, I just always say, I don't know. <laughs> um, it depends on what your core values are. The only two things that I base my relationship on is number one, chemistry. Mm. And not just sexual chemistry, just your whole body, your body, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how do you feel chemistry being with them? And then number two is core values. Do you have similar core values? If you have Mm -hmm. to cite five core values of yours, do they have at least four? Mm -hmm. Because it will be hard if they only have three or two. I believe. I think it has to surpass at least half. So (laughs) being a quantitative researcher, I'm like, what are your core (laughs) values? Give me your your own five core values. Like, do you even understand yourself? Because do you notice sometimes you ask people and they don't know what their core values are? Of Mm -hmm. course. Yeah. We're not, because we're not taught to explore that. We're not. Like people are, these are the exact types of like sexual education, mental health. Like these are the exact things that so desperately need. And Mm -hmm. it's funny, a, a community member asked about this, that we need more formal education that like maybe doesn't come from schools because we've seen how problematic that is. Like, it's just, we need this systemized so badly in culture and we're just not getting it effectively. So we're we're not even taught to explore that. You Mm -hmm. made a really good point that I want to highlight before we move on about how, so we, we often talk about how it doesn't matter in what ways you and your partner are growing, as long as you're both committed that there's going to be growth. You don't need to be Mm -hmm. growing at the exact same time. You don't need to be doing the exact same thing, but like you're both growing and you're both flourishing Mm -hmm. and that's the goal. So I Mm -hmm. love that you highlighted that you guys have that, that mutual value of exploration and curiosity Mm -hmm. and that you're going to continue to explore throughout your relationship, but it doesn't need to be in the exact same way. Maybe you're introducing him to these different things that comes with exploration, whether it's sexual exploration or elsewhere. Maybe he's introducing you to other things. Like it doesn't, I think sometimes we get really caught up and they have to be our exact version of ourselves. Type of growth. Yes. That we need to be doing the exact same thing. We want to be doing like everything together. And that's not the case at all. I don't think that's right. realistic at all. So I love that you made that you that you underlined that. 
Yeah, it is not realistic. And honestly, like I think anyone in long-term relationships will agree with this. The number one skill is patience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, you need yes. so much patience for your partner. Um, yes. And whenever people are in conflict, the tool that I offer to my followers is look at your partner as a five-year-old. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> what would you say to a five-year-old, even Your if you're ang- angry? Right. What would you, yeah, would you have so much more compassion for them and allow them to cry, allow them to be upset and, you know, ask questions in a gentler way mm. versus treating them as an adult? So right. I'm always, uh, I think patience very important in a long-term relationship because if you're in a relationship where there's a lot of individuality, There mm-hmm. will be conflict. Yeah, naturally. And if there's no conflict at all, I feel like that's a red flag because that's <laughs> my previous relationship. I feel like everything was just neutral. Right. Mm. It was neutral. And what way is that fine. to live? Flatlined. Yeah. You need yeah. the up and down of a heartbeat. Like you can't have neutrality in a relationship that's flatlining. It felt very like just yeah neutral. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. I love everything you said, especially because one of my favorite things you've ever said is secure attachment, a secure attachment style makes sex kinkier. Yes. And I feel like your entire example of how you found that with yeah. your husband is so indicative of that. Like that regulated nervous system, that safety, that connection, patience, core values, like that's what makes you so much more able to explore safely together. And when you feel yes. safe, you can push boundaries. It's like yes. that counterintuitive, the same thing, how rest is productive. It's that like counterintuitive balance of how the safety allows you to push boundaries and explore and play even more. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. I love like that. Mm-hmm. emotional connection, emotional safety is yeah. the number one step into sexual exploration in the non-traditional realm together. If there isn't emotional safety, you can't really explore non-traditional sex together. Yeah. Because it will ruin relationships and that's where a lot of people cite like open relationships or threesomes or sex parties like ruin marriages i'm like mm. no mm. it was probably already ruined <laughs> yeah mm. yeah that's a very clear distinction i so i feel that 100% yeah and you know i'm not in a fully open relationship i'm in a monogamish marriage <laughs> i've heard you yes i've heard you talk about it i love it please explain yeah. for our listeners though So uh, a monogamous relationship is similar to a monogamous relationship where it's like 95% of the time, it just functions exactly the same. You are committed to one person. This is your life partner. You do things together. You talk openly. You share a lot of connection. Um, however, from time to time, you sexually explore with others together. So it's very simple. Um, if, you know, we're... Thinking, for for example, this New Year's Eve, we went to a sex party, right? Um, and then uh, this coming Friday, we're going to a sex party. Like, it's not necessarily this often all the time. <laughs> But yeah, like, if, couples, yeah. yeah if couples want to go, like, every quarter, we go explore something sexually um, non-traditional. Like, that right. could be a monogamish relationship. But my favorite thing about being in a monogamish relationship is like the design your own relationship menu. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's literally what you want. 
Because for yeah. us, like one of my rules is we don't kiss other people. Mm. And you know, a lot of people are shocked because they're like, "Okay, so you can have sex with people you don't kiss?" I'm but like, "Kissing yeah. is intimate. I get that. Kissing is very intimate. I think kissing yeah. a lot of times, kissing for me, for me, not for everybody, right. kissing is like love, like yeah. that loving energy mm. and that like bond between two people. Um, however, if someone wants to join in and give my partner a blow job and have sex with me or finger me like I'm cool with that right <laughs> you know but it's different so the cool thing about monogamish is all my friends and clients that are in monogamish relationships have different rules yeah. like there isn't mm-hmm. like a sex bible for monogamish people to follow it's yeah. just like whatever you want some people only have sex with other people together some people right. They allow each other to do it separately, but only once a year. Some people, right. like, you know, it's just so fun. It's choose your yeah. own adventure. A lot of the questions we got from community and questions we've seen in the past are very much like, what should this look like? How many times should I be having sex? What does, and I think the whole answer is like, it it's depends. whatever it works for you. It <laughs> yeah. depends. Yeah. Like there is no one size fits all model. Like you do not, your sex life does not have to look like your best friends, mm-hmm. like someone you see on the internet. Like it is so different and individual for every person and couple. Mm-hmm. Around but it's the world. like unsatisfying for people, isn't it? Like when they ask I know. you a no quantity one that. question, uh, yeah. like whatever numbers are involved, like uh, how many times or right. how long or, you know, you're just like, it depends. The right, answer depends. is always, it depends. And I know it's not very satisfying to hear that. Um, so sometimes I'll pull like research and I say, okay, based on this research that survey 500 people, here's the average. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about that? It's up to you. Yes, um, yeah. So it's, it's helpful. You know, for example, one of the most common questions that I get from people in, in relationships is, how many times in a week should we have sex? I, it's yeah, it's everyone's first question. It's, it's, like it's always first the first. Question. It's everyone's first. They're question. like gut yeah. checking whether or not their relationship sure. is healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I would say you know it depends. Like if you are both super busy, maybe you're pregnant, maybe there's you know uh, illness in your extended family. Like there's so many variables. Yeah, um, and you only have sex once a month, but it's amazing, and you are connected. Like that's all good. But then people are never satisfied because they're like, well, what does the research say? (laughs) Right. 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 So what the research says is it's a correlational study. So not a causation, but couples that have sex at least once a week reported having higher sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So that is my go-to answer is that's what a large study found yeah. once yeah. a week. Good go-to um, answer. High quality because quality means right. more, right? Okay. We've quality. unpacked this on the podcast too because I feel like, I mean, obviously so many different variables and age was involved, but in my past relationships, I may have had sex more frequently, but less satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's much more like we ebb and flow. Like you say, like depending on where I'm at in my period, mm-hmm. depending on what type of work schedule Aaron has that week. Like we're much more into like phases. Like we go in phases where we're having a lot of sex and less and kind of like oscillate a little bit. But even in those less phases, I'm so much more satisfied yeah. mm-hmm. long-term 
with less sex than I ever have been in the past. I and of course, that. some of that is emotional connectivity. Some of that is like age, whatever. But I love that because I don't think people talk about that enough. The distinction mm-hmm. between frequency and satisfaction mm-hmm. is not always what it seems. No, not at all. Um, always quality over quantity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into these juicy I know, we questions. We have so many good questions. So ma- and I know you're going to be chock full of the best answers. Oh, take it away, Meadow. Should I kick it off? Yes, okay. kick it off. Our first audience question, how to balance wanting sex to be intimate and connective, but also hot and fun? So first off, I would like to understand uh, the person that's asking. I like to understand their um, sexual profile because Mm -hmm. the thing is every single person has a different sexual profile, the different characteristics that make up their sexuality and sexual desires and preferences. Not to plug this so early, but I have a survey on my website where you can go take this quiz and you can go understand your own sexual profile. Ooh. It's kind of like a Myers-Briggs, like I'm yes. ENFJ. Sexual Myers-Briggs. Yeah. 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 I'm ENFJ on Myers-Briggs, but on my website, oh my God, there's so a quiz. Close. Go take it. You'll understand yourself better. Have your partner take it. You'll understand them better. Um, how? Okay, so th- to answer this question, once you know your sexual profile or if you know that you're leaning towards someone who likes more consistency over, you know, like excitement and novelty all the time, then there is no shame in also just loving your vanilla sex. Uh, there's no <laughs> vanilla shaming. Vanilla sex can be divine, juicy, connecting, amazing, orgasmic, multiple orgasms. Um, so sometimes when people are on the internet and they see, oh my God, all these other people are doing handcuffs and flogging and they mm. do these ball gag and these spicy things. Um, it just feels like we're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, Because if your orientation isn't that, you don't need to force yourself to do it. You yeah. can enjoy yeah. your own type of sex, but maybe in enhanced ways. So let's talk about uh, two different ways people who love towards more vanilla, comfortable sex versus people who love kinky sex. Two different ways to both spice things up. Um, The first way for both people to spice things up is to understand each other's uh, threshold of Mm. kinkiness. So Mm. because if you don't understand each other's threshold, you can... Um, offend your partner. Mm-hmm. I had this couple that were my clients last year uh, where the guy um, really, really wanted to try cuckolding. And cuckolding is like intense if if you're if you're from like a small town, you've never heard about sex, you've never talked about sex, you got married when you were 22. Like the so the wife was very, very concerned. She reached out, book a session. We all talk about it. And she's just she just feels like she's being attacked. And she mm. feels unsafe now because her husband is pushing her to have sex with other people um while he watched, which to me sounds like a fun activity because my <laughs> threshold yeah. <laughs> for kinkiness is high. Like from yeah. one to ten, I'm probably an eight. Right. Yeah. But for for my client, for this woman, she was two. So, you know, first off, it's so important to understand people's thresholds and also their desired threshold. 
current mm. threshold and desired threshold. So let's do this activity for both of you. Like, what do you think is your current threshold? Okay. Well, if you said eight, I immediately recategorized myself in my head. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's and like, then so- I thought. I was like, so definitely not that. So I think my current would probably be like a five or six. And now okay. my new ideal would be a seven and a half. Okay. Mm. That. I think I'm near to you. I think right now. So quick little background without derailing, but like I, the last few years has been really, I got off birth control like three years ago now and my body has just been doing a dance ever since. Mm -hmm. And my, I'm a, I've always been a very sexual person Mm -hmm. and like, I'm a Taurus. I love pleasure. I love like that Mm -hmm. part of life. But because of this like dance that my body's been doing, I feel like I'm really like my sex life gets mandated by like how I'm feeling in my body. Obviously, a lot of people mm-hmm. feel that way. Mm-hmm. So like if my weight is fluctuating and I don't feel like sexy or like I'm just like, ugh, or even in the winter where I'm like, oh my God, I'm not as tan as I normally am. Like I don't even mm-hmm. want to fucking see myself <laughs> naked. Like it just depends. So I feel like right now, even just like hormonally where I'm at, I'm probably, I'm probably at like a five, five and a half. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. normally I'm like a seven. Mm. You mean in terms of your, your like season. kinkiness orientation? Yeah. Because I feel like the kinkiness is more like values rather than actions. Like mm, if you think about kinky, yeah. non- kinky means unconventional, non-traditional, right? Right, right, right So right, first right. we have to got- categorize like what is traditional? Traditional is missionary sex, dim lights, you know, maybe oral sometimes. Um, that's pretty much like traditional mm-hmm. sex. Right. So now when we say kinky, we're talking about unconventional, non-traditional sex that other people um Babe, if have- you manifest with your orgasm, you're higher up on that list. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we sure do. magic. If you're doing sex magic, yes, we've, then, yeah. we've talked we, about we it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we love sex magic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So if you're, you know, uh five now and you're aiming for a seven. So with your partner, like ask the same question. Mm-hmm. Where do you yeah. think your kinkiness threshold is and w- what is your desire? one because when I asked that client she said I think I'm a two and my desire is maybe a three so I'm like okay mm. so cock holding is like a nine yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think that this will ever happen yeah. and you know breaking news to couples that have conflict is really hard but yeah. that's yeah. where like the professional third party comes in right like let right, me break yeah. it to you like you'll you'll never try this practice And that's okay for, is it okay or not? It's up to you. Right. It's so interesting because now that I'm thinking about the distinction that you made of what your threshold is versus your desire versus comfortability with the person, like Meadow knows I've had a sexual partner in the past where their threshold was way higher than mine and like comfortability was way higher than mine. And we... Our, the nature of our relationship was very purely sexual. And mm-hmm. so we were trying certain things that I think that if I were trying with a mm-hmm. person that I was more comfortable with, like emotionally, mm-hmm. that I would have enjoyed more. But I think mm-hmm. because totally. there was like that disconnect and like there wasn't that like, you know, I knew I was safe and like uh, consciously I knew I was secure. But I think that like subconscious trust of like this person wasn't obviously there. 
And so my comfortability with feeling like even very dominated, which Mm -hmm. normally I enjoy, I felt discomfort around Mm -hmm. with that person. Cause I was like, "Mm, I don't know you like that. And I don't know if, (laughs) I don't know if I want that with you. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's an interesting, it's so case by case. It's so case by case. It is case by case. Cause I remember dating this guy briefly in LA and we were hanging out a lot, having a lot of sex. And I just remember he wanted to try like certain role play, but then I look, mm-hmm. would look at him and I would laugh because I'm yeah. like, oh my God, you're, Air- I'm like, I can't you're not make very it good at doing this role yeah. play. Aaron and I laugh every time. I can't make it through. It's so funny. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. And no so one makes me laugh more than him thing. in general. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, role play, it's not cut out for us, at least at this point, because we fucking crack yeah. So easy. Like if you try out, of, it doesn't matter, out in public, at home by ourselves, like we're fucking laughing our asses off. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And also laughing during sex imagine is fun. YouTube role playing for the la- Oh my right? god. Oh my god, we if we try, we laugh so hard that we're like crying. Like we can't it's so but then it's also fun and laughing during sex is fun too. Yeah. But I'm not committed it's we can't commit to the bit. Mm-hmm. No, no. We take it and, too far. We can't and commit it's to all <laughs> very like preference based, right? I have a, yeah. a, a follower on my Instagram that said like, I can't ever do a role play, but I love getting pissed on. I'm like, see, there's like different non-traditional things, but there you go. There you go. yeah, it's just different things, different yeah. strokes okay. for different folks. So that first aspect for both vanilla people and kinky people is to figure out their threshold and their desired threshold. This conversation will then carry forward into like, ooh, so if this is our threshold, this is our desired one, what should right. we try in within right. the realm of your own comfortability? Oh, the I second that. aspect that I always recommend people trying, and I've had a lot of clients trying this and it has been quite successful. I would say only one couple came back and was like, it did nothing, <laughs> was uh, sex feast. Have you ever heard of that? No. Please explain. Yes. So uh, I learned this in like somatic therapy, but sex feast is the trust contract between two people that they are committing to feasting in a sexual activity, different types of sexual activity every single day for a certain period of time. So... For example, a common one is a seven-day sex feast. And you can kind of time it with like break or holiday or Mm -hmm. like a trip or, you know, whenever it's like easier. Um, But it's a practice where you are rebuilding your sexual connection for each Mm -hmm. other, passion for each other. And also getting through that kind of commitment together, you'll really gain a lot more uh, emotional connection and trust. Mm. Mm. If you don't break it, it really builds that trust Because you're making a promise and showing up for yourself. Yes, Which, like any habit, builds self-trust. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And it's not all penetrative sex, right? We always encourage mixing things up every single day. But figure out like a period of time that you would like to try sex feast and then try the sex feast together. Maybe even make it a little ritualistic. Like light some candles, hold each other's hands. Like I commit to seven day sex feast with you Um, and try that for seven days. And whether or not you're vanilla or you're kinky, you will then together plan out the seven day practice, what you're going to do daily. And it could be, you know, uh, first day, uh, 
the sex that we've been having. Second day, oral only. Third day, fingering only. Like fourth day, we're just doing sexual meditation together. Fifth mm-hmm. day, we're both masturbating but looking at each other. The sixth day, we're going to do sexting. The seventh day, we're going to, you know, do anal, <laughs> like whatever it is. But you can kind of plan out your seven-day sex feast. And yeah, I've seen people regain passion and trust and also like self-confidence because they're like, I can't believe yeah. I just had sex for seven days. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, these are the practices and perspectives I recommend. Okay. Another listener asked when they're referring to a guy, but I feel like anybody can be looped into this. So when somebody says that they want more instruction or direction, how do you actually convey that? Mm. Hmm. So in our field, we call this micro-sexual communication or um, interactional sexual communication. And based on research and also my own personal experience, there's no way around it. There's no beat around the bush. It's giving verbal instruction during sex. So let's say your partner is going down on you. It's too much tongue. It's too wet you know, what you will then say is giving a little bit feedback, but a lot of alternatives. For example, mm, um, feeling it's feeling a little wet. Can you use a little less tongue? Mm. Or, you know, um, oh, I love how that feels. Um, let's try this too. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's get a, uh, let's, let's break, let's do a break on that. Can you put a finger in me? Those are just some examples of alternatives where gentle redirection, verbally, yeah. yeah, verbally give mm-hmm. this feedback. When people say, you know, I really can't, I don't feel safe saying those things during sex. It's mm-hmm. probably indicative of the health of the relationship in general. Mm-hmm. And maybe what they need first is the macro sexual communication, which is talking about sex with your partner, mm-hmm. not during sex, about sex. So over coffee, over dinner, over a hike, mm-hmm. talk about your sex life, talk about your hopes and dreams and desires and fantasies. And this type of conversation will then fuel your confidence in giving verbal feedback during sex. Mm. Because if you've never ever talked about sex before in your relationship, your partner may be taken aback when you do give verbal feedback. Like, oh, where did Mm -hmm. this come from? We've been together 10 years. I've been eating your pussy this way for the last nine years. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, what's wrong, right? Like, it, it might feel a little bit, um, it might they might feel like it's an attack or that they feel right. taken aback. So yeah, you have to do these things together, like the macro and the micro sexual communication. They kind of go together and it shapes the relationship to be more open for feedback mm-hmm. in general. This next question is a subject we've talked about a lot. So Gabby and I have both previously, we have an episode called Unpacking Healthy Sex After Trauma. We've Mm -hmm. both been in traumatic and I've been in an abusive relationship that also included sex abuse. So that's something that Mm -hmm. we really like to be open about with our community. So we got a few questions about how to kind of move past bad experiences, how to heal from sex trauma, even getting over the fear of sex if you haven't done it in a while. So any thoughts around sex after trauma? 
three tips like immediately pop in my head is number one, it's good to talk to a sex therapist about your sexual trauma. Um, it's hard to process it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also hard to just tell a friend and hope that they will help therapize you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not their job. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And they probably don't have the tools. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you feel like it's really a big boundary, uh, no, sorry, a big um, barrier in your sex mm-hmm. life, it's worth like investing into sex therapy for this particular um, issue that you experience. And I have to say like other therapists that are not trained specifically for sexual trauma mm-hmm. are not good therapists for this issue. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a therapist uh, about seven years ago, um, and I remember vividly I was telling her about my desires in exploring um, polyamory or open relationship. I remember she was questioning me. She said, "You know, but do you really? But do you really want that? You know, you, mm. if you have a loving partner, maybe work on it with Oof. them first. Oof." Yeah, so she was yeah. really inserting her values and yeah. how she lives her life. A lot of projecting. Yeah. yeah, so for me, um, when it comes to sex and sexual exploration as well as sexual trauma, it's really important to talk to a therapist that was trained specifically for this. And there's also... Not to completely cut you off, but if you have any tips for how to find a good sex therapist, yes. we get asked all the time how to find a good therapist that's a right fit for you in general. So specifically with sex trauma too, any resources? Yes, 100%. Love, shout them out. Um, yeah. So for sex therapists, uh, AA sect is really good. So A-A-S-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. If you Google that, it will I'll link all up. of these. AA sect. Yeah. So okay. it's a certification sex certification organization it's one of the most like legitimate ones where the people that were trained from there are therapists that are trauma informed kink informed and can really help you through the process of healing from sexual assault and sexual abuse so i would highly recommend that as the first step or one of the steps the okay. second one that I would love for more people to try because it works for me is somatic therapy or sexological mm-hmm, yeah. body work. Mm-hmm. So working through sexual trauma or bad experiences with the body. You can talk to a therapist, but you can also move your body with a therapist. So yeah. um, if you Google somatic, uh, sex somatic coaches um, or certified sexological body work, you'll find people in your area. And unfortunately, it doesn't exist that much in small towns. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if it allows, if your schedule and resources allow you to go somewhere, like definitely like LA, there's a lot. New York, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. I wonder if there's virtual practices too. Because like some of those somatic exercises, if you're just led over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. You can do somatic over Zoom, but not sexological body work because that's where the therapist touches you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And sexological body work also involves like, you know, it involves orgasm if you want it to. Mm-hmm. So the the sexological body worker can work on your body, uh, work through like the different areas that tense up, certain areas that make you cry, certain areas that mm. feel okay and neutral. And then if you're working through like or orgasm issues, 
they can also work on your body to stimulate it and arouse it and try to get you to get to orgasm so you can experience the orgasm and then talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a practice that not a lot of people have heard of. Basically, they were, my clients always go like, oh my God, so basically you go have sex? Um, in a way, yeah. <laughs> in a way, yes, but it's not necessarily for sexual gratification. It's right, for healing. Right, right, right. So that would be my second tip. Um, and then my third tip, and I've seen this in a lot of people uh, that are healing from sexual assault, is a mindful masturbation practice. Yeah. Mm. We've talked and about that on here If before, you too. don't want other people to touch you yet, that's fine. Uh, you can start kind of slow and touching yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't even have to go to the clit or the penis to, you know, have a masturbation routine. You can even start just ma- massaging your whole body and mm-hmm. massaging your nipples, massaging the pubic area and go slow. And if it allows, then stimulate the genitals. And if your body allows, then try coming and then Go from there. Building this trust within yourself and in your own sexual routine, I think, will then translate in the future into the ability to trust someone else to have sex mm-hmm. with you. Mm. Yeah. I watched a YouTube video recently that I also really liked that in a similar of mindful masturbation, they were talking specifically about getting into dirty talk. And if you feel uncomfortable expressing yourself in the moment, having sex, whether it's feedback or dirty talk or whatever it is, practice that by yourself Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. learn to do it while Mm -hmm. you're masturbating, practice saying it to yourself. It feels like Mm -hmm. you're even more having sex with yourself. And then you can start, it feels easier to communicate in the moment with someone else when you've communicated out loud by mm-hmm. yourself as well. So like even the giving, like give yourself feedback while you're yeah. half, like mindfully masturbating yeah. and then learn to kind of practice that out loud. I, I saw that just the other day and I thought, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I love it that. is a really good one. Yeah. I, I like remember how... practicing saying like, mm, like I love, I love your big exactly. cock. <laughs> yeah. That's literally yeah. what she was saying. Like practice, <laughs> like literally have sex with yourself and affirm out loud and talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Especially like I know that <laughs> I feel like I've had this conversation with friends before of like when, you know, even like I'm thinking back on like being in college and like a lot of us having like long distance relationships and doing a lot of like phone sex or like FaceTime sex or things like that and like getting comfortable with doing those things on your own first. But I love that your approach is so gentle because I feel like that's yeah. a big misconception that people often have when they approach sex therapists or they approach any sort of conversation around um, around sex in general, that it just has to be this zero to a hundred thing and it's yeah. not. And so I'm really grateful for your very gentle approach to all of this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I try to be gentle with myself and therefore you know, all the people that I help. As a practice. Yeah. Yeah. So this next question, we got asked this a lot in many different ways. So the question is tips for naturally increasing libido. Is it cycle syncing with libido levels? Libido. We've talked a lot about um, your libido and being on SSRIs and how that Mm. impacts it. Recently uh, in the realm of like sexuality experts and practitioners we've been 
trying to reorient our followers to understand libido versus sexual desire. Mm. Hmm. People think, oh, I have low libido. It's just what I have. Versus mm. sexual desire kind of like moves around. And even when you feel in the moment a little bit lower sexual desire, like, oh, I can have it or leave it. I'm watching Survivor. Mm. I'm good. Eating popcorn. <laughs> I'm good. You know? Um, yeah. Versus like, okay, let's say if my partner that I love starts initiating it with me and like stimulating my body, kissing my neck and maybe touching my pubic area. Can I then feel the desire in that moment? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe much more than back when I was watching Survivor and eating popcorn. Now that I'm a little bit more stimulated. Mm-hmm. Right. So we think that thinking about our um, sex life as like sexual desires can occur on a daily basis based on what's going on in the day might feel Mm. a little bit more hopeful than, Mm -hmm. oh, I just, I have low libido. Mm -hmm. Because there are people that feel as if, you know, you can't come out of low libido mode. Um, So let's say we do talk about sexual desires and you do feel like most of the days, like I have clients that, I ask them to log their desire uh, throughout the day for 30 mm-hmm. days um, in the morning, midday, and evening. Cool. And it's color-coded, and then we review it at the end. You know, what what was going on in the day? What does this mean? And a lot of times, she will log, like, low desire when she wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and either low or mid-desire midday. Mm-hmm. And then um, mid-desire or higher desire in the evening. And I ask her what had changed throughout the day. Um, and I ask her to be very, very aware and careful and really be in tune with her body. And she said, oh, you know what? Because my husband <laughs> learned that I'm doing this practice with you. So every almost every night he has this like kind of self-care ritual practice waiting for me so they were doing sexual meditation or he was running her a bath um or he would be responsible for getting takeout rather than she um so small things changed and she had just more room to feel a little bit more sexual desire so i asked her like wouldn't this be nice if this was your life in general (laughs) <laughs> she said, mm-hmm. yes. And I said, yeah, maybe sometimes people need a reminder, like to certain days, like take care of your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you, if you feel like, you know, you're the only one doing the housework and this and that, like maybe you need to have a conversation. I don't mm-hmm. want to jump to the conclusion of like, oh, your partner is an asshole that never take the trash <laughs> out. Um, because sometimes people kind of just take things for granted. And yeah, it right. is. And it is their fault for taking things for granted, but they need the reminder. They need the conversation. Like sometimes I'll say something and my partner will be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I had no idea. Um, Right. Like he'll say things that are like a little bit dismissive of my concerns, even though the concerns are generally small. I'll be like, that's not okay. Like Mm -hmm. that's not okay. I would love for you to be more empathetic. 
Because, yeah, it might not be as, you know, uh, the con- consequences might not be as big as your problems, but it's still, it matters to me. Mm-hmm. So we then reorient our relationship. You know, he apologizes and now he knows. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with sexual desires. Like if you feel, you know, I'm doing so much in the house and mm-hmm. I have like almost no room to feel sexy, horny, start sex. then that's the like conversation starter of changing micro behaviors in a relationship to leave more room for people to feel hornier. Mm. So yeah, I make those reminders sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're taking out the trash example. That's one of my husband's jobs. I don't take out the trash. He does, but I've definitely reminded him before when you take out the trash, like I don't want to touch it. It gives me the uglies. It makes me feel icky. Like if I don't have to touch it, I feel more in my body. There you go. I feel cuter. Like maybe something might happen. (laughs) Who's to say? Like you can make the reminders like cute and sexual and like initiate it that way too. And then he reframes like, oh, I'm not just doing the chore. I'm making sure she feels beautiful. Like she doesn't have to touch it. She doesn't get like, it's a, it's a fun way to reframe that for your partner to be like, oh, you're providing something for me. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I loved your example, actually, because like no one's nobody likes nagging. Like no I don't one, want someone yeah, nagging no me. Nag. No. I don't want to be yeah. nagging anyone. So I want all the interactions to be. I don't want to be your mother. I want to no, be. No. Yeah. I want interactions. <laughs> That's not what we're exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I really like that example. That's a good example. Thank you. Thank it is you. a good one. It is a good one. It also reminds me, me of. Well, it, it, your whole answer also reminds me of my, it's a, such a good tool. The log sounds like a beautiful tool to discover your pumpkin hours, which Ooh, is another one of Gabby and I's favorite terms, oh, we love which this. is basically, <laughs> it's the hours that you know, sex is off the table for you. Mm-hmm. Like if I know every morning I wake up and like, I need my two hours of self-care and I got to journal <laughs> and get in my body. But at the end of the day, like your client, like my husband mm-hmm. and I are setting up and ready to go, then maybe like my pumpkin hours are like from when I wake up till noon, yeah. like whatever they are. But that exactly. sounds like a really good log and time. Why pumpkin? Thought, but it's when Cinderella's carriage turns back oh. into a pumpkin. Yes. We read about this and, then, and now we're stuck yeah. on it because it's Because if your partner initiates during your pumpkin hours, but you've never communicated, these are my pumpkin hours, then that can mm-hmm. feel like a lot of rejection. So yeah. finding out when, if there is a consistency at all, maybe there isn't, but if there is finding that mm-hmm. out, communicating it, that's less rejection. So you're more likely to, it just, is like, it's that. setting up the parameters to feel better yeah. with your partner and like more opportunities for success. Yeah. I got Somebody, to do like an Instagram reel and I'll tag you guys. Oh my <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. Cute. Yeah, somebody, cause it. somebody asked about that. Somebody asked about like what to do when you're feeling tired and that's immediately, or like when you're just tired from work or life or whatever. And immediately mm-hmm. that's what came to mind. Like my, my boyfriend and I have had that conversation of like, I was, I, I go to, I like to go to bed earlier than he does. And mm-hmm. I was feeling like he'd crawl into bed and I'd basically be asleep. And then he'd be like wanting to initiate sex. Mm-hmm. So I was like, after 11 PM, like we're not fucking. So figure it's it out before. Out. Like <laughs> these are, these are the hours that like, I'm cool with it, but like I'm tired and I prioritize my sleep. And it frankly yeah. annoys me when you get in bed and then want to like wake me up because like now you want to have sex. Like mm-hmm. no. And so, and he's communicated, you know, we've communicated like that for each other, which I think, because like, I am such a hibernation creature. Like if you wake me up and I'm sleeping, Pissed. like that is my most prescient, angry bear. Like I'm coming a no- out of hibernation. Yeah. I want to suck um, your dick now. Like, are you fucking kidding? No, thank you. <laughs> I have a question. Are there exceptions for your, you guys' pumpkin hours? Yeah. 
I think like yeah. for me, they're, they're, they're much like, more on vacation. Yes. Is there, like, oh, vacation yes. sex. All bets are off. This is for me honey. during the yeah. week when I'm like, I know that yeah. I want to yeah. be in bed by like 10 and I'm waking up by 730. Like I want yes. my sleep. It's for the, it's during the week. Weekends, who fucking cares? Vacation. <laughs> bend me over on the balcony. Like it's fine. It's just, <laughs> Summer, it's even for winter, the week. like winter, I'm hibernating more. My sleep more. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I feel that there's seasons for it. One hundred percent. Summer is a lot sexier because then oh, yeah. you're also Summer's like a lot sexier. Dressing less clothes, yeah. dressing in less yeah. clothes, and going to places, feeling ourselves. Like when we feel more turned on in life in general, then we yeah. feel more turned on to have sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it's I was saying seasonal. about like yeah, about me feeling tan. Like when I'm tan yeah. in the summer, you're oh like, my god, mm, want to fuck me? Frankly, I warmer weather. <laughs> Like if it's well, Miami, cold, I'm like, I, it's Miami. hard to come if it's cold. Mm-hmm. It's hard. That's true. Mm-hmm. Research found that uh, women who have cold feet orgasm less. Yes. Yes, so, I read that because I've been like, let me put on socks. I'm going to be putting socks, socks on, on like a weirdo so in the winter because like, yeah. Oh my God. I saw that study. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Okay. We should do a couple more questions before we- I know. I'm trying to choose through them because there's so many good ones. Well, that I, I, have a, I have a good go one that I want time. us to talk about because you brought it up in the beginning. Okay, I and do too. We have a lot of um, listeners with immigrant families. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I speak a lot. Both my parents are Cuban immigrants. So I talk a lot from like the Latina perspective and what that, you know, Catholic shame can look like and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And you sort of mentioned that um, in the beginning of the episode as well. Somebody was asking about just like the cultural shame around sex and sort of being able to overcome that when you grew up with a lot of sex shame from your family? Mm. Mm. Great question. Um, It's the process that I went through. And I think there's still some spillover effects certain times in my adult life now that it like it flashes like, you know, Mm. the 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 toxic teachings like flashes in my head sometimes. But yeah, that was a long journey for me um, that I had gone through working through my the shame that I have had from you know, certain cultural values being Thai, like Asian families have like similar values and also gender roles for women in Asia, Mm. you know, are still, I feel a lot more conservative than metropolitan cities in America. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, there's also Utah, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> they all there's America. always Utah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always Utah. Um, but uh, yeah, so growing up, what I was taught is like, yes, you are, you need to get good grades. You need, you can have some ambition, um, but ultimately, you want to get married and have children and have a great seemingly, you know, perfect family and take care of your husband. Mm. And you don't want to be sexual because sexual girls are seen as witches and mm. uh, unmaritable and not some not an upstanding role model woman in society. Mm. Um, you want to be discreet with mm. your sexuality and you also want to seem more innocent so that men can chase after you and when you are married, you also want to remain somewhat innocent so that you are projecting this good submissive wife who um, is really good at taking care of her household and her husband. Mm-hmm. And that's a successful 
life based on the traditional narratives in my culture and a lot of Asian cultures. Of course, there will be listeners that are Asian that are listening and they're like, oh, absolutely not. My parents are very independent. They tell me to go for things. I'm like, that is unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is uh, good for you. Like, I, I, I really think that that's amazing. And there are families that are more modern in their values now and they have changed through you know, multi-generational change. And I think that's beautiful. However, the fact is still there. And my a lot of my friends back home are living this, is that that's the gender role for women. Yeah. So me going through all of those expectations and narratives that I grew up with, being someone in my 20s, the first thing that I was doing was having as much sex as possible to to get over the shame, uh, to be like anti-narrative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck all of this. I'm going to fuck all these people to prove that I am. I don't need to be a submissive wife. Um, mm-hmm. However, <laughs> that was misguided too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that out of not understanding my true self, my values, my actual desires in life. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that, I would say the best thing that I did in order to overcome my sexual shame from my culture is actually deconstructing the pros and cons of the culture that I'm from and the religion that I'm affiliated with. And then highlighting certain pros that I want to take into my adult life and crossing out the cons that I do not want to take into my adult life and then try my best, rewrite this list and then try my best to live based on these values. Mm. Because, you know, Thai culture is beautiful. Thai food is amazing and our family orientation, like how important family is, is beautiful to me. Um, And the collectivistic feeling, like we go in groups, we do things in groups. I love that. I love the things that, you know, my culture gives me. I also love being a Buddhist. Like I love the meditation practice that I learned since I was five. It's now really working. Um, it fuels my workaholism, which I don't know, that's a different story. <laughs> um, I love, you know, certain teachings in Buddhism, but I also don't like that Buddhism limits people to just being with two people, like mm-hmm. in a monogamous relationship, right? So I write things down that are pros and the things I like about my religion and the things I dislike about my religion and the way they teach things. And I just literally choose, I choose mm. those things that I like. And then I fuse it with my current like adult life. People will say Americanized values. Mm. <laughs> and then I just live based on the things I choose daily. Yeah, mm. it, it takes time, but I think this deconstruction has been the best thing I did. And I did yeah. it in my journal. I think one of these days I should take a picture of it and post it. That was the first thing in my head was, Dr. Tar, you are really such a journal girly. I live for it. <laughs> yeah. Like the way you, yeah. you write it all down, show your brain, pen to paper, like you're speaking my language. Things are not true for me until it's written out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's true for our brain because in that same way that we're not taught to think about these things, I think when people give advice, it's hard to think, okay, like sit there and think about it. That's right. so elusive and so abstract versus taking the time to figure it out, to put it on the list or not is so much more 
of a clear answer to yourself. Yeah. So much more indicative, crossing it out, showing your brain what you don't want. Like it's, yeah. it's almost more, like you said, it's more of a ritual. Yeah. It's like more of an act, more of a ritual to really show yourself. I love it. I love yeah. the tools. I remember like crossing out, you know, the idea that like monogamous relationships are more worthy than other mm. types of relationships and like crossing it out. Like, well, I disagree. Yep. <laughs> like agree to disagree, right? Like yeah. you can exist as a religion. People can, you know, take advantage of being in that community. But at the same time, I don't need to believe in this one thing and I can believe yeah. in this other thing. And I think totally. that's the cool thing about modern society is like social media and like this podcast. And there's just so many resources for us to like design our own life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our own beliefs and values. When people ask like, so are you like fully a Buddhist? I'm like, yeah, I am a Buddhist. But like, it doesn't mean I have to do those 10 things, you know? Totally. And mm. if someone questions me, that's an issue, not an ish me. Yeah, <laughs> baby. I yeah, love baby. that. I love yeah, that. It sounds like you have issues. So, yeah. <laughs> oh <my laughs> you know, gosh. it's an issue, not an ish me. Like I live based on what I find um, to be aligned with my other yeah. values. And I think that's cool, you know? Oh, yeah. It is cool. Fuck yeah. I love that you're, again, just being gentle and introducing nuance into this conversation because I have seen, we talk about it all the time on the podcast of like the moment people learn the word boundaries, they're like, fuck everyone else in my life, kick them all out, all this stuff. And I think that it's really easy and I understand. So this is not to diminish like anybody's experience with their culture or any traumas that they've experienced because of that culture. But sometimes it's very easy for us to write off everything we grew up with because it's just easy to blame and easy to be like, fuck that. I don't like it. I don't identify with it anymore. But the reality is, and I'm seeing this with myself getting older every single year, the things that I've often discounted are things that I often fall back on as what I actually enjoy. So there's, Mm. there's so there's nuance to how we were raised. There's nuances to our cultures and that's fine. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be this all or nothing mentality. So thank you for pointing that out so beautifully as you did. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love the – I don't remember who was it that told me this, but it was a long time ago and it was one of my teachers. But uh, she said, you know, life is never black and white. It's mm-hmm. multicolor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whatever colors you want to have in your life, you choose. So mm-hmm. I love it. Like it's not black and white – most things, I think 99% of the times, it's not black and white. Okay. I know we're out of time. I got to ask one more because we really okay. got so many good questions. I'm sorry to not get to all of them, which just means you'll have to come back, yes. which I love. <laughs> so let's end on this one. How do I figure out my kinks when I'm not currently partnered or sexually active? You know, as humans, our imagination is really powerful. Mm. Our imagination is the reason why there's all this art in the world. There's these awesome movies, TV shows, music. And uh, the imagination, I think, is one of the most powerful uh, practices that we can do. So when it comes to figuring out your kinks, there are like kink sheets on the internet. And I can also um, send you the link for you to have it on your description, but there are sheets of like uh, kinky activities in which you can review. But because you're saying you're not having sex and you're not testing it with a partner, I think use your powerful imagination. 
um, you know, when you look through the list, like go one thing at a time and really sit down, spend at least like a few minutes to really think and basking into the idea of doing that thing. Now, does it turn you on? Do you have like an immediate visceral reaction? Like, oh, wow, hot or like, oh, gross, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. um, check it on that list. Like, okay, um, a yes, a maybe or no. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, also know that our kings change throughout the lifetime. If you mm-hmm. asked me when I was 22, like having someone piss on me, I'd be like, that is the nastiest thing ever. Get away from here. Now I'm like, yeah, you can pee on me. That's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. people change Depends. all the time. So maybe revisit this list like once a year or once every two, three years and see uh, if there is something else that used to be a maybe that's now a yes. And mm, know yeah, that yeah. Now, now is a maybe or maybe a yes that's now a no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going through that list and imagine, really use your like visualization and really imagine yourself doing it. What kind of reaction it gives you. Mm. Imagination is so special. We even, we had a it guest is. on recently, entirely different topic, more about manifestation and like the power of language, but so many answers come back to our ability to like imagine a greater life for ourselves, explore, mm-hmm. like figure out like problem solving with your imagination. Like being imaginative as an adult is so underrated. So I love that we've been talking about this recently, especially yeah. in such vastly different contexts. Yeah. yeah. And so sexual important. imagination is super cool. Um, you super know, sexual cool. fantasies. Yeah. yeah. We all have sexual fantasies because whenever I talk to people at like dinner parties, whenever they know what I do, they always like, oh my God. So like, can you answer these questions? But I always ask them like, so what's one of your sexual fantasies? And whenever someone tells me like, I don't have any, I'm like, I don't believe you. You're right. lying. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you um, don't have to share it, but I know right, you, have you don't it. have to share yeah. it. You can be like, oh, I'm not going to talk about it here. That's fine. Totally fine. Totally. Your boundaries. But at the same time, if you say you don't have it, it's either you have not yet explored that part of your imagination mm-hmm. uh, or you just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. If you haven't explored, I strongly invite you to explore your sexual fantasies. And if you get a chance, like write it down. It's really, it's really crazy sometimes. I'll like write down my sexual fantasies. I'm like, okay, this should be a movie. Should I sell this to like, <laughs> oh my God. I don't know, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dr. Toro, you need a sex journal with I all know. of your tools. Yeah, yeah. please. Do you want, let's, do you, does your brand want to collab? Up. We should yeah, collab. Let's talk about this. Let's yeah. talk about it offline. Up. Let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my you gosh. You need one. This, this was so fun. amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for being here, for chatting with us and our community. This was amazing. Please come back because we have so many more questions. (laughs) (laughs) We barely scratched the surface. You're the best. Come back. How's it going, y'all? It's Aaron. Don't let your Monday suck. Don't have those Sunday scaries. I'm tired of everybody waking up in the week saying, ah, shit, it's Monday. You know what goes down? TMV releases every week on Mondays. Make sure you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching YouTube, yes, TMV has a YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and ring that noti bell and never miss a thing. And also, join the TMV familia by joining the Thoughts May Vary Patreon and by following at Thoughts May Vary Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you for listening. Great. There you go. Thanks, Nadine. Gotcha.